Hello, 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 and welcome to the show. Welcome, everybody. Alright, go to your favorite social media place. Search for the hashtag WalkAboutRich. Like, follow, subscribe, interact. Let me know you're out there, even if it's just a little something like, Hey, I'm Mike from Georgia. I dig your show. Good stuff. Keep it up. Or I'm, I'm Joe from Wisconsin. I hate your show. It sucks, dude. Okay. Um, especially someone like you who does not like the show. I would really like to know why. Maybe it's something, some easy little thing that I can switch around and then maybe you will like it. I'm not going to go way out of my way to completely change myself. You know, we are who we are. We can only present ourselves in such a way. Now, what's going on, everybody? How's it going? All right, so... Up until the last episode, I was really convinced that Buddhism was going to be the main direction of of this podcast. And it may still end up being that way, but I just can't I just can't put out an episode like that on something that I I really I really feel like I need to have a better grasp on that. Right, so while I'm doing that, I have a lot of other things that I want to talk about. Okay, um, and you know, it goes back to the other two of the three major things. You know, minimalism and and nature, the great outdoors. Okay, I I love going for a walk in the woods right Um, now I've I've tried to make some videos talking you know doing the talking part and I don't know something something about standing in front of the camera and talking I'm just not comfortable Um, if I'm trying to show off a a skill or something or, or attempt a skill I, I want to do that. I, I want to be one of those people that that shows something that I saw that would be of benefit to those you know those those spiritual people who are trying to live a minimalist life out in nature. Okay, kind of <laughs> being very niche here, <laughs> but. You know, and it's 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 kind of one of those things where I, I I've seen those people in in movies and videos and whatnot that you know they they are at a monastic level with their their spiritual practice, whether it be Buddhism or Taoism or or whatever ism, 
that they're subscribing to, or maybe they just got their own their own path. Which, you know, ultimately we're all on our own path. The more I dig into Buddhism, the more I come to the realization that it's not it's not just it doesn't necessarily have to be following exactly the words that Buddha spoke. Buddha, will, you know, like, hey, here's here's some stuff that made me pretty happy. Maybe you want to try it out yourself. See what works. You like this part? Cool. Hold on to that. Practice that on, in your everyday, regular life. All right? Oh, this part over here, you don't like this part? I get it. That, that part there is not for everybody. That's fine. No big deal. Forget about it. Focus on this other thing. This other thing over here brings love and excitement and joy and, and whatnot into your life. Awesome. Focus on that. Okay? Don't spend all of your time being all down and drab and 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 depressed because... You don't know how how you're going to be a good Buddhist because you're you're not a vegetarian. I, I'm, you know, I, I kind of spent a big chunk of my time the, from the time I was introduced to Buddhism in high school. All right, I saw the Dalai Lama. He was happy. He was excited. He he was excited to go to these places and spread you know these Buddhist ideas. And I wanted to be like him. You know, I wanted to be happy. I, I listening to this guy's story of being kicked out of his out of his home country, being invaded, raided by China, and forced out of his home, forced into exile, forced into into climbing over the Himalayan mountains. Barely living through that experience. Setting up uh, an interim home. An interim uh, Tibetan government and whatnot in India. And amazingly enough, this this guy is such a turn-the-other-cheek kind of guy that he, he communicates with China on a regular basis to try and figure out some sort of way of them, <clears throat> them giving Tibet back. And I'm not saying he's a fool or anything for doing that, but it's such a a wild thing, you know. Anybody else would be like, hey, they raided my country. They kicked me out. I'm angry. Let's fight. But his first natural instinct is to develop a relationship with these people and and see if there's a 
a diplomatic way of, of saying, hey man, what's going on here? Can we, can we figure this out? I'd like to go home. What can we do? What sort of an arrangement can we come to here? And it it's because of stuff like that. Not, not because the Dalai Lama is such a kind person, such a gentle person, such a wise person. It's because we all we all know that China did this. We all know that China invaded and took over and executed thousands of innocent people. And don't worry, we're, we're going to get to my country here in a little bit. How, how about how about we say it this way? It's because of so many different countries <clears throat> doing one thing and saying another China, Russia the United States Mexico all over the world all over the world every single day world leaders say one thing do another We all know that at one level or another, most of them are corrupt. Most of them are doing it out of their own selfish interests. And everybody thinks that the answer is to just elect somebody better. Okay, well, you know. We, we voted we voted for this president he said he was going to do these things but it's been a year and nothing's happened he looks like he's going to be a lame duck whatever alright we screwed up next time we'll, we'll maybe we'll elect somebody better then four years go by they elect somebody else and oh man, this guy is just as bad or worse than the last guy. And, it, and it's, it's every single time. And a lot of people like that president, whether, it, you know, whether it's our current one or a former one. Lots of people like that person. Lots of people hate that person. There's, you ever notice that there's always like a 50-50 split? It's never, ever, ever overwhelmingly love or overwhelmingly hate. Now, depending on which side of the aisle you're on, you can fudge the numbers around and make it look like everybody hates this president. 
or you can fudge them to where it looks like everybody loves this person. trying to go with this is this idea that maybe it's too big that makes sense look at look at Europe hey, okay let's start over look at the United States most of the states in this country are larger than most countries. And each one of the states has somebody in charge, a governor. And then over all 50 states, there's that one guy, the president, that's in charge. Now, the president lives in Washington, D.C. Things that he thinks up in Washington, D.C., there's a whole other world right there. You know, aside from, aside from my job, Aside from my job being this thing that takes me all over this region, I would probably never leave the town that I live in. There's only like 7,000 people that live in my town. Just imagine it. If, if, if you ruled the world and you lived in this one town and everything that you need is in this one town or can be brought to this town. And the only people that you ever interacted with are in this one town or come from another town and, and come to yours and hang out with you and say, hey man, my town is going through this thing. We need your leadership to, to help decide what we do next. I don't know anything about your town. I know about my town. And I know about the people that live in my town. See where I'm going here? I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that the president is a bad person, but I just think that it's too much for one person to have to, to deal with. You know what I mean? And it's, it, it may have something to do with our, our human nature or whatever. I, I don't even... I don't even know if that's a, a fair way of saying it. That you know, it, 
maybe it boils down to what Alfred said in The Dark Knight. Some people just want to see the world burn. It's not necessarily actually fire burn. But some people are just some people are just evil. Some people are just more concerned about their own individual selves than they are about the world around them. They don't care that they're wiping out this little ecosystem and and tearing the the top off of a mountain to put up a hotel. They don't care about the animals that live there. They don't care about the 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 life that is there from from trees to animals to bugs to microscopic stuff to, to grass and dirt worms and all of the things that that live and exist on this little piece of area here they don't care what they care about is spending a bunch of money knocking the top off of this this mountain and putting up a telescope putting up a hotel or, or a research facility or, or something like that that is going to make them way more money back than they spent that comes right back down to making so much money so that you can buy so much stuff Quite an unfortunate Pandora's box, really, because you know I I sit here with my ultra minimalist mind and my realization that all of the stuff that we really really need necessities, not once. Everybody wants a bunch of money. Everybody wants a bunch of stuff. We don't need that. We need food. We need water. We need shelter. We need community. We need love. We need fire to light up the night and cook our food and keep us warm. There's a bazillion things out there that we want when we chisel it all down to the things that we need we find that that list is very very short and it's a Pandora's box because we know we know now that there are chunks of rock flying around out in space that twice a year we go through a belt of it that from time to time throughout not our human history but our our home's history our planet's history from time to time there's been a rock 
big enough that hits the ground and strikes the earth and has wiped out life. want to get rid of all of the stuff rich get rid of all of the stuff may involve getting rid of all of these telescopes you really want to go back to a, a stone age existence and understanding of the universe knowing that this little piece of technology right here can detect that chunk of rock and the math and the computers and whatnot can calculate if it's going to strike our planet and if it is can determine when and where and what time and how big it is and the estimated impact and da 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 da, da of of this chunk of rock hitting our planet. Estimated death tolls estimated damage what could possibly happen if that little rock hits this planet and of course yes please save my kids my first instinct but to operate on a level of deciding you know being binary about whether it's a need or a want a one or a zero I'm trying to operate at a level of getting me personally down to the barest of essentials, the, the absolute needs, and then build myself up from there. to find this balance. We need, need, it is absolutely essential that we find this balance and we find it soon or we're going to tip over and we're not going to be able to figure out this balance thing. Things are going to get ugly. Things are going to get bad. Things are going to get to a particular point where we can't come back. feel driven to be one of those voices however small my voice is however big I can get it to be I feel like I have to say something I feel like it is being said by a lot of people but you know it, it's kind of been my my theory that some people need to hear the words from a particular, the, the right person at the right time in the right way. And, and maybe 
maybe I'm that person. Maybe I'm the right person. And maybe I'm saying it at the right time. And maybe today is the right day for, for one person to hear it. For one person to come to the understanding of this needs to happen. We need to do something. Need. There's no, there's no want. Want is something that you can do without. We need this planet. We have no other place to go. And if we screw this up, then man, I don't. What happens from here? This generational decline of our ecosystem. Then we get beyond that tipping point. What happens next? I don't. I don't feel good about the idea of laying there on my deathbed and my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren looking me in the eyes and saying, why didn't you do anything? It's unfortunate that you're dying, Grandpa, but it's probably a good thing that you die now of old age rather than suffocating to death because we ruined the atmosphere. We we burned down all of the trees and there's no more oxygen being made. You're going to suffocate if you live another year. To know that I I had some sort of a, a thing to do with that, that my, my children, my bloodline, my family are going to die horrible deaths. They're going to live a miserable life. Would not know what it's like to be able to swim in a lake, a pond, a river, the ocean without having to get some sort of medical treatment afterwards. These are things that we, right now, the people that are alive right now, you adults, you parents, We are doing this. We are doing this to the planet right now. Because of our love of money and our love of stuff trumping our love of family, our love of life. Not just not just each other, not just the love of of watching our families grow up. I mean, Look, we're, we live in such a, a micro perception of time. Look at it in a macro. When I was talking before about the Native Americans not making any sort of decision until they've considered seven generations worth of effect of this decision. We don't even give a crap about seven minutes worth of effect on any decision that we make much less seven generations I talk a little bit about survival 
Graham Hancock asking that question of who survives an event like that. It's those people that are most in tune with nature, that are a part of nature, not apart from nature. I've come to a bit of a realization that maybe, maybe not, but why not try? You know, instead of, how do I say this? Like, I've got a bit of a conspiracy nut in my head, and sometimes it gets tighten down a little too far and I kind of spiral out a little bit. Right? I like uh, 9-11. Right, let's go back even further to the Vietnam War. The Gulf of Tonkin. Right? Our government has openly admitted that nothing happened there. That that they went with it, they they made it happen, or whatever, so that we could get into a conflict in Vietnam. Alright, that set a precedent that you know, like like with a person. You don't you don't know anything about this person. And I'm one of I'm I'm one of those people that you know at first I'm gonna trust you until you prove me wrong and you know I, I catch you in a, a lie and instead of coming clean you just keep on digging and digging and digging and making things worse <coughs> I'm gonna trust you less and less and less You keep making it worse and worse and worse until eventually I'm not going to trust you at all. So using these two examples of the of the Gulf of Tonkin and 9-11, it's already been proven that our government would do something like that. Then somebody brings up the idea that there may have been some people within our government that had prior knowledge of this thing about to happen and looked the other way and let it happen. Now you can dig into all that conspiracy that you want. It's not going to take you anywhere good tell you that much. Well, that precedence has been set. Whenever the idea comes up that that the government in, in general may or may not have had something to do with it. 
you pause and you think. Okay, well, they did some shady stuff back in the day to get us into into going somewhere that we wanted to be to extract some resources that we really needed or wanted back in the day. We were willing to do that back in the day. Then all of a sudden, here we are charging into this place. That that didn't have anything to do with people who did anything to us. We we're going to go there anyway. See where I'm going? I I don't know. I'm I may be wrong, and it, and it's and it's because of all of the negative, awful, icky feelings that come up just from 9/11. Just from digging into that, that how ew I feel about stuff that I, I, I don't want to dig into that anymore. There are other people way smarter than me that are digging into that and, and sharing the information that they've got. You want to know more about 9-11? Go ahead. Dig in. And I'm sure there's way more information than the last time I looked into it. I don't need the specifics of each one of the, you know, the was 9-11 an inside job? What were the circumstances of of JFK's assassination? You know, the way I understand it, the, the the CIA, the FBI, one of those alphabet soups, they they admitted that they had a hand in the assassination of Martin Luther King. I like that that's the world that we live in. Okay. And I got so bogged down in the details and and whatnot. As far as as far as what the truth is, and there's so much there's so much shade and deceit and BS involved with all of that that you never really know the truth. And all of the stress and anxiety and, and headache and anger of trying to figure out the truth of trying to figure out what was right and what was wrong instead of focusing on all of that and causing all that pain and and suffering I prefer to operate at a level that that the people in charge they're only worried about themselves whether whether that's an absolute truth or not it it doesn't doesn't really matter to me 
And I operate under the idea that anybody who wants that amount of power, anybody who wants that kind of control over people's lives, they've got something wrong upstairs, man. I can see being somebody, somebody that is in charge being something of a, a moderator or, you know, uh, 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 someone that has no skin in the game and there's, there is a dispute over, over where this fence goes. They take it to, they take it to the guy in charge. And that guy in charge, he's he's got no skin in the game, man. It's not his property. It doesn't matter one way or the other to him where that fence goes. So each side brings his argument, and, and they discuss it, and they talk about it, and then. The guy in charge is like, okay, well, look here. Here's, here's this guy. He's got this, you know, he's he's got, uh, you know, a tape measure. And we'll look at the paperwork, the official paperwork that says, you know, this is the size of your property and this is the location and these are the GPS coordinates of your property. I will use that in comparison to where you want to put <clears throat> where you want to put your fence. So they bring this guy in and he works his magic with the numbers and says, "Well, here's the boundary of your property and you're you're wanting to put your fence up 10 feet on the other side of of your property and this other guy's property. So you're not going to be able to put the fence where you want to put it. That right there, in my mind, that's that's about it as far as being in charge. It doesn't even have to be a job. It doesn't even need to be a something that you get uh, a yearly salary for. You know, I can see the I can see the government giving you, you know, uh, a per diem or a stipend or something to to you know you've got to take you've got to take some time off from from working in your garden or tending to your homestead or whatever. You've got to take time off from that, and there's going to be some, the possibility of some lost income because you're not bringing your stuff into harvest. You're not going to the to the farmers market to sell off your stuff. You got to go deal with with this stuff over here because these two can't work it out themselves. Fine, okay. And then I heard this idea that that some of our founding fathers saw it as a civic duty that everybody do a little time being in charge. 
like, wow, that's, that's pretty neat. And with how, how many people that live in this country now to give everybody a shot of being in charge, you know, maybe, maybe the population centers shouldn't be so dense. George Washington, president number one. Actually, like the first three, four, five, or six presidents, they were farmers. The way I understand it, they had to drag George Washington away from his farm. They did the whole Revolutionary War thing. They won. They got their freedom. George Washington's like, screw it, man. I'm going home. I got a farm to deal with. I got crops and and animals. I got all this stuff to deal with. I, I'm going home. And he goes home, and then they appoint him president. I think, I think the same thing happened to Jefferson. Jefferson there's Jefferson in, in writing the, the Declaration of Independence or something like that it wasn't, it wasn't something that he had planned on doing he was, or no, the, the Constitution got signed and he was in he was in France as an ambassador or something Mediator. Mediator is the word I was looking for. Not a... Mediator. To, to be a mediator in... Uh, I kept calling him the guy in charge. Right? But, the, but appointing a mediator, somebody who's got no skin in the game, to, to work out disputes amongst ourselves kind of thing, instead of, instead of having this this ginormous grand machine that we call our government instead of instead of people that oh man it's I don't know it's it's difficult for me to explain because I don't know maybe maybe it's something that takes know, episode after episode of discussion, 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 and finally getting to that point where, okay, I understand it myself now, because, you know, I'm coming at it from a minimalist perspective. Right? I'm coming at it from a, from a nature perspective, from a primitive perspective. I look at our most ancient ancestors and, and realize that we don't need tractors. We don't need thousands of acres for our homestead. I see this this kind of dispute back and forth in my head over 
whether or not we actually need any of these sciences that we've developed over over the generations, over the centuries, over the millennia. And then I look at I look at stuff like permaculture. And I, and I see this this little niche of science that that people are, are really digging in and trying to trying to grow as much food as possible on as small of a space as possible and being so so extreme so um, so purposeful in trying to in trying to like on a small city lot growing as much food as as possible on that city lot that you've got enough food to feed your family not only just enough food to feed the family but enough to take to farmer's market making a few bucks at farmer's market and using that money to buy more seed, to buy more livestock, to pay your mortgage. And then really digging into that minimalist mindset of, okay, you know, I I grow I grow this food. I I live in a somewhat um What's the word I'm looking for? I'm living this homesteading lifestyle. And because I don't have a whole lot of money, that means I can't I can't have a whole lot of stuff. But that's okay because I don't need the stuff. And then it becomes, alright, well I don't have all of the stuff. I don't I don't need a refrigerator. It comes to this idea of, of need versus want. I don't need a refrigerator. So what am I going to do now? Alright, well I'll dig a root cellar. And I can get, you know, I can get into canning stuff. And I've and I've seen people that, you know, they've indi- you know, individual focus and attention on, on certain things that as, as one person, me, interested in all of these things, to be able to go out onto the internet and, and see that there are people out there that that have taken their canning to such a level that 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 one jar is a meal, like like uh, like a pot roast or whatever. They've got all the meat and veg in the, in that in that jar and then to be able to take that jar and 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 put it in a in a bag or whatever or put it in your backpack and take that jar that can whatever it's in take it with you out onto the trail and know that you're going to be gone x amount of days on a hunting trip and take x amount of jars with you and some bread, you know, and have a, to have 
different types of meals available to you for while you're walking along and actually doing the hunting and then and then to be able to go back to your hunter's camp and and start a fire and and warm up one of those jars of of pot roast or whatever whatever meal it is and it and it's 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 weird you know because it's 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 not just a pot roast there there's you know thousands of different meals that that people are developing in these little cans i mean look look at chef Boyardee. it doesn't have to be a jar jar you know what i mean it can it can be a can go go to walmart and buy some chef Boyardee and take it out on the trail with you and whenever it's time to set up camp and and get a campfire going and, and warm up a meal I, I do that I do that on the road right now. I take these little jars of food and I stick them up on the dash and I turn the heater on and I warm them up and I've got me a nice hot meal. Hooray for me. I didn't have to I didn't have to you know I didn't have to start a fire. I didn't have to I didn't have to do any of this stuff in order for me to have a meal. Now, yeah, I was probably a little more involved, you know, going hunting and and trying to uh, you know, cook up a a steak or something that, or cook up a squirrel, not squirrel, or a rabbit or whatever that you came across on the on the trail while you were hunting for a moose. Like, oh, well, I didn't get a moose today, but here's this rabbit, and now I could eat the rabbit and have a whole nother meal instead of, you know, having to eat one of my cans or one of my jars. That's a that's another day I can stay out, another day that, you know, I've got another day's worth of chance to get that moose, hunt them down and 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 harvest and pack them out and and all that, you know. And it and it for me, it took a while. You know, it took two or three years of of talking about minimalism. It took me two or three years to of talking about it and planning and taking stuff away. And deciding whether or not I really needed it or not to to come to this place now where I I know historically okay historically I know that we don't need this stuff historically I know we don't need cars historically I know we don't need microwaves historically I know that we don't need IHOP subway advanced auto parts cricket storage units I know that we don't need this stuff I know it. I know we don't need it. I'm trying to operate at a level of knowing that we don't need it and and what to do with that with that information. Some people are stuck there. You know, I, I don't I don't try to assume that I'm better than other people because I don't operate at, at on, on their level 
Some people, some people, that's where they find they're happy. They want to live that type of lifestyle. They want to be able to wake up in the morning and instead of, you know, and and I get it, I do. I, I find a lot of simplicity in the idea of instead of owning a house, instead of having a kitchen with a bunch of pots and pans and a bunch of mess all over the place, to get as small of a place as possible, as inexpensive of a place as possible, even going so far as living in your car, your van, your truck, and waking up in the morning and going to Taco Bell, raiding the dollar menu, saying, okay, it's going to cost me three bucks, four bucks to eat food today. To get yourself to that point, to to minimize as much as possible, I, and I'm I'm not even completely against that idea for myself. You know, I, I want to spend as much time out in nature as I can, right? So I, I've I've come to a place in my life right now where it's, you know. Um, because I've had to do it a time or two because of one reason or another I can live out of a car, I can live out of a van I know that it's possible for me to be comfortable doing that and it it's something that fuels a, an area of my minimalism but I know I don't need a house I know that there's some stuff that's in my life right now that I need to be able to um, I need this stuff in order for me to continue the lifestyle that I live being an outdoorsman you know uh, an axe comes in handy being an outdoorsman a knife comes in handy and to carry all of this stuff around on my back gets gets to be to a point where there's a lot of weight involved and I don't want to have to carry all that stuff around. Right, I've got this picture in my head of this this four-wheel drive minivan. Right? <laughs> that I can that I can take out into the woods. I can I got all my camp stuff in this van and me and my wife we just kind of travel around the country and we and you know we create a lot of content we go hunting and fishing and we live out of the van and there's you know the little the little thing on top that holds the extra stuff and we're not so crowded in the van and we've got a tent and and some other you know, pop-up shelter type of things going on that, you know, we may live out of the van and we may sleep in the van, but it's also one of those situations where there's more than meets the eye. If that makes sense. It's not just, you know, our our whole camp is contained in the van and possibly a trailer involved as well. 
in that trailer, in that van. We have all of our our stuff. And whenever we get to a place where we can set up camp, once we set up camp, you know, we're home. Home one day could be Montana. And then, you know, we have our fun there for a little while and hop on the internet and talk to people and find out, hey, there's a, there's a gathering of people just like us going on in, in Georgia in a couple of weeks. All right, cool. Well, let's take our time, do a little bit more fishing, break down camp, get it all packed up nice and neat and put away, and then we can start heading our way down that way. Set up camp for a little while, maybe get jobs there and hang out and meet all kinds of cool people. And it doesn't have to be about owning a big giant house that I've got to pay property tax on every year. It could be owning a van and a little trailer full of the, the little bit of stuff that we need on a day-to-day and making a little bit of money online, making a little bit of money working at McDonald's or Walmart or something like that and then whenever the time comes to move along just move along we had our time I'm almost to my stop oh yes we need to wrap this up alright so that's my uh some of my philosophy as far as blending minimalism and nature together with a little bit of travel and philosophy and whatnot involved. Okay. It's uh, something you're interested in talking about, look me up. Okay. Go to your favorite social media place, search for the hashtag walkaboutrich. You know, I'm as far as the whole living out of the van thing, I'm years away from that. All right. My youngest hasn't even hit kindergarten yet. So it's going to be a little while. I got plenty of time to learn plenty of skills and build up ideas and business and whatnot as far as that all is concerned. Yeah, I've, I've got a lot of work to do. And I've got I've got some time to worry about it too. So let's uh, let's have some discussion and and, and see what all uh, see what all we can come up with, right? So like, follow, subscribe, share with a friend, interact with me. Let me know what you think about the show. Just just real quick, send me a, send me a, an email or a private message or whatever. And, and let me know what you think about the show, okay? Say, hey, how's it going, Rich? Love the show. Later, man. <laughs> All right, so I'm done. Later. Oh, oh man, look at that. Almost an hour. All right, later. Bye.